You've reached the office of Maya Broinian. This is Molly. How may I help you? Hello there, Mr. Farmer. Molly tells me that you were eager to talk to me. She learned sciences and alchemy. She couldn't say magic words and turn people into toads. But she could transform one form of matter into another form by way of alchemy. Yes! I knew it! That day we took a walk downtown and decided to have our photo taken at the gazebo. I'm sorry for my eagerness, Mr. Mayor, but I need to know what color they are. They're silver. From the wonderful land of Oz, this is Fiction Crime Time. I'm your host, Adam Farmer. For this episode, I want to go over the events surrounding the death of Ebony Airwood. I know that the third episode may seem a little too late to go over it, but I had my reasons for waiting. I didn't know the whole story. I only knew what the OBI put in the file Jacob gave me. But during my time in Munchkin City, I discovered a lot about how the OBI operates. That file, you know, the one Jacob gave me, is only the public file. In the OBI investigation process, there are two files, the public file and the private file. The public file holds the information available to other law enforcement agencies or private investigators. Now, the private file is for OBI eyes only. It contains information on the suspects being investigated and any other information they're not ready to release. It, it sounds kind of confusing because if the private file has all the suspect information, then how do we know all we do about Dorothy Gale? Well, I actually asked OBI agent Cody Morgan when Mayor Bowenian and I brought in the photo showing the silver slippers information gets out sometimes. That's why we try and keep a tight lid on the information in the private file. But sometimes it's already out by the time we get the case. All the info that's public about the case is what witnesses told the newspapers. We try to get control of the situation, but by the time we're called in, the news usually is already spread. Papers have written their articles. There's even some fellow trying to turn it into a storybook, if you can believe that. We can't exactly prevent people from talking about it, so we put that information in the public file. Like uh, the information about Dorothy Gale, the major pieces of evidence that newspapers have already snagged photos of, and the witnesses who've already talked. So does that mean that there's a possibility of other evidence, and maybe even suspects, in the private file? You know I can neither confirm nor deny that possibility. I can say that this photo you helped uncover has helped us, and on behalf of the Bureau, I thank you. I guess I can assume that you aren't going to back down from investigating this story. After this, I don't think I can. I expected as much. Just don't get in the way. Other agents aren't as open-minded as I am about reporters, so just don't make too many waves. I can neither confirm nor deny that I will. By this interaction... I can speculate about the many possibilities of what may be in the private file. 
I wish I knew about this file system before I got to Munchkin City. It would have allowed me to leave some possibilities open to speculation. I guess it slipped Jacob's mind when he gave me the file. Gauging by the OBI's reaction when we brought the photo to their field office, I speculate that they may have already been suspicious about the slippers. Maybe they already have a section in the private file focusing on those slippers. Because of that, I have more faith in the OBI's investigation, and I think this aspect of the investigation will now progress more naturally, and I can turn my attention to other things, like the events surrounding Ebony's death. Thanks to my interactions with the mayor and the public file, I now have enough information to go over the events surrounding Ebony's death on the third day of Emerald in the second year of the Clover. At approximately 4.20 p.m., Ebony Airwood was seen leaving her house. She was nicely dressed, and we can now confirm she was wearing silver slippers. She met Mayor Myas Rowenian outside the Goldwyn Theater at 4.43 p.m. The two entered the theater to watch the five o'clock staged readings of stories by Edgar Allan Poe. The show ended at 6.10 p.m., but Myas and Ebony stayed after to talk with the performer, William Herbert. They didn't leave until 6.40. They arrived at their restaurant, the Munchie Menagerie, at 7 o'clock for their dinner reservation. They left at 8.15. They were walking down 2nd Street when they saw a photographer offering photos at the gazebo. They had their photo taken and continued heading down the street. They had just turned down 3rd Street when they heard a noise above them. Before they could react, the house landed on Ebony. The edge of the house hit Myas's shoulder and knocked him to the ground. Emergency vehicles arrived at 8.45 p.m. They were unable to pull the body out from under the house. Myas was taken to the hospital, and the Munchkin chief of police called the Witch of the North for assistance. She instructed them to not enter the house until she arrived. She arrived at the scene at 10.55 p.m. Glinda entered the house and saw a girl and her dog sleeping on a bed. She instructed that no one enter the house and for there to be a watch around the perimeter. Nothing happened all night. The next morning at 6.23 a.m., the girl emerged from the house. Glinda had instructed the Munchkin police that their top priority was to get this threat out of Munchkin land. When the girl walked out of the house, she saw the slippers on Ebony's feet, which were sticking out from under the house. The girl took them, saying that they were hers now. Glinda pointed her in the direction of the yellow brick road, because there would be less people traveling on it since the highway was built. Following Dorothy, we know that she made her way to Balk and Onessa's house. They didn't hear about what happened yet because they live in the outskirts of town, so they didn't think twice letting her stay the night. Later the next day, they felt lucky to be alive after that experience. It took a few hours the day after Ebony died to lift the house up enough to remove her body. The medical examiner would go on to call the time of death at 8.37 p.m. He couldn't single out one specific cause of death. Ebony suffered a crushed skull, broken bones throughout her body, broken ribs which punctured her lungs and heart, and blood loss. She died on impact. 
During that time, the mayor was in the hospital suffering from many broken bones in his right arm and a shattered shoulder. The doctors also had to remove splinters from his arm and his face. He wasn't officially told of Ebony's death until a few days later, but he said that he knew. He saw her under the house before the paramedics took him away. That's the story, as I have it so far. I may have more information to fill in some blanks if I get the chance to interview Glenda of the North, but I just want to take a moment and think about all that. The protesters I talked to in the last episode were right. Ebony didn't deserve this. I don't think anyone deserves this. I see where the protesters' minds and hearts are. I had the chance to ask the mayor about his response to the protests and the removal of the house, and he actually gave me an answer. It's just that every time I see it, I see her legs sticking out from under it. I see the blood beginning to pool. I see it staining the heels of her slippers. And I just can't stand seeing it anymore. They see it as a memorial to her life, but I see it as a reminder of her death. My mind won't be changed. It may cost me the next election, but I've made my decision. Staining the heels of her slippers. Now... I know. Now I know why witnesses said the slippers were ruby. It was blood. The slippers were stained with the blood of all of Dorothy's victims, stained so much that they looked ruby. Those slippers taken in as evidence are in fact Ebony's slippers, stained desecrated, made unholy. I was wrong. It's not a crack in the narrative. It's the glue that holds it together. It connects the other murders to this one while also serving as a symbol of the unholy rampage of Dorothy Gale. I'm sad to say that I'm reaching the end of my time here in Munchkin City. I've investigated all I can think to investigate. I only need to make one more stop while I can, out of obligation and curiosity. I need to pay a visit to Ebony's house. Mayor Browinian said that the night Ebony died, she was taking him to her house to show him one of her newest discoveries. The OBI has already investigated the house, and if they found anything, they would have taken it in and put the information in the private file. So, I may just be a scavenger picking off the leftovers, but even if I don't find anything, I feel like I have an obligation to pay a visit. The mayor bought the property after Ebony died, and he let me borrow the key under the conditions that if I find anything, I need to call him first. So... There it is. I'm standing just outside the house where Ebony Airwood lived. It has a wooden porch out front leading to the front door. (laughs) 
Um, inside the hall, there are decorations on the wall. <laughs> Stupid rhyme. Well, would you look at that? <laughs> the signature on one of these paintings is Onessa's. I guess Ebony liked her work. The house seemed fairly normal. It was a two-story house, and the inside was still decorated. The furniture was covered with sheets to keep the dust off. It hasn't yet collected much dust because it has only been three months. On the mantel was a photo of Ebony and Maribowinian. They look happy. On the first floor, there's one bedroom, and upstairs there are two bedrooms. Mayor Browinian told me Ebony would have visiting government officials housed here. One of the other rooms downstairs is a library. There's a desk with some books on top of it. I can assume that there were once notes and paper spread out on the desk, but that has since been taken in by the OBI. I survey the bookshelves and one book catches my eye. The Alchemist by Paulo Coelho. There's, there's a message written here on the front page. It says, You will always be fond of me. I represent to you all the sins you never had the courage to commit. Uh, the initials read S-I-S. Wait a minute. I, I recognize this quote. I quickly pull off the shelf the copy of The Picture of Dorian Gray by Oscar Wilde. I flipped through the pages and found the quote in chapter 6. It was underlined, and a word was written next to it. Hmm. Never more. Following my hunch, I pulled out the collected works of Edgar Allan Poe and flipped the pages to the raven. I can't believe what I'm doing. Are these actually leading to something, or am I just playing treasure hunter? But if you haven't figured out by now, my curiosity often gets the better of me. And once I start something, I can't stop. The Raven. Once upon a midnight fairy, while I pondered weak and weary, or many of them curious ones, uh, there are two phrases in this poem that are underlined. Uh, the first one is purple curtain, and the second one is bust of palace. I look around the room, and what do you know? On the other side of the room, there is a white marble bust <laughs> of the Greek titan palace. I quickly go over to inspect it. I've seen this kind of stuff in movies many times, which is why I still can't believe any of this crap. I mean, I'm a freaking treasure hunter or something. Anyway, I tried all of the usual stuff, like turning the head, looking for a button by lifting it. I tried to see if there were any hinges where a panel would open up to reveal something, but found nothing. I look back over the poem and the other quotes for at least some hint as to where I'm going wrong. I decide it would be best if I took a picture of them for my records. Then I get a crazy idea. Crazy enough that it just might work. Okay, so, so this is either going to work or I'm going to look really stupid right now. But 
but it doesn't matter because I can just cut this part out if it doesn't work. So, so don't laugh. But, but I'm placing my hand on top of the bust. I came to this conclusion because that's where the raven was in the poem. Okay, here we go. <clears throat> Never more. What the heck was that? I follow in the direction of the noise, telling myself that that better not have worked. I walk into the bedroom on the first floor and see the purple curtain on the wall move like a breeze is blowing it. It caused me to say a word that I can't exactly put in this family-friendly podcast. I pulled back the curtain, revealing a secret door. You've got to be kidding me. Um, right, I I'm recording. Uh, so, the password, I guess? Open the secret door. Uh, there are steps leading down to a basement level. Um, I walk down the steps and open the door at the bottom of them. I flip a light switch inside the door and the lights flicker on. What the? Okay, so... So it looks like a laboratory. Um, there's a table in the center of the room with lab equipment on top. Beakers, tubes, basically a roided out chemistry set. I guess this was where she practiced her alchemy. There's still some chemicals lying around which I'm definitely not going to touch because they have no labels. OSHA would have a field day with this. Um, it looks like... <laughs> so, so you're not going to believe this, but there's a golden apple sitting on a balance scale. There are other golden and silver items scattered around the table. I guess this was a product of her alchemy experiments. Huh. I, I just opened a drawer in the table and found what looks to be a notebook. Inside are what look to be notes on alchemy experiments, uh, properties of certain transmutations. Man, this is getting weird. This isn't a normal investigation, but <laughs> I guess this is us. This is a place where magic is normal. Whoa. Um, so... <laughs> so I just opened to the first page. And it reads, Nevermore will I be a lesser witch. She underestimates me, but I'll show her. I'll show her who the stronger sister is. Sister. Um, guys, Ebony was an only child, as far as we know. Hold on. <laughs> okay, so... I just looked again at the first quote that was in the front of the alchemist. I said the initials were S-I-S, but I was wrong. It's not initials. It's a word. It says, sis, 
You have reached the office of Maya Browinian. This is Molly. How may I help you? Hey, Molly. It's Adam Farmer again. I need you to tell the mayor to get to Ebony's house as soon as he can. It's important. When I showed the mayor what I found, he couldn't believe it. She never told me she had a sister. No one has stepped forward yet to make that claim. What if she just meant sister as in a witch sister or something like that? I'm not ruling out that possibility. But do you understand anything else written in this journal? I almost failed chemistry in high school. All of this is a foreign language to me. Are you going to tell the OBI and hand over that journal? I have to. I can't impede an investigation. Later that day, I told the OBI where to find the lab and about the notes in the books. Of course, that doesn't mean I didn't take photos of all the pages in the notebook and anything else I found important. I wonder why the OBI never found the lab earlier. I actually had the courage, strange enough, to ask Agent Morgan when I turned the information over to the OBI. To be honest, I thought there was more to be found in the quotes, but I didn't read the books, so I wasn't familiar with them. So we just took photos of the first quote and didn't think anything of the underlying stuff in the other books. I guess we're more crime scene investigators than treasure hunters. I knew my extensive knowledge of Indiana Jones would pay off one day. This new information is big and has opened up many new questions. Does Ebony have a sister? Where is she? Why did they have a falling out? What was Ebony working on that would make her be a lesser witch nevermore? And I don't think I will find any of these answers by staying here in Munchkin City. If anyone here knew about a sister or any of this alchemy stuff, they would have come forward already. Plus, I think I've brought enough stuff to light that Agent Morgan and his team can follow up with. Before I leave, though, I called Jacob to update him on the progress of the investigation. So I guess it's going good on your end. That's good to hear. I'm feeling better about this case. I'm sorry for how I was before. That bet that sounded a little bit like a, a psychotic conspiracy nut. No, you were simply too invested. But we are getting closer to the truth. Where do you need me to go next? Well, you've done a lot of good work so far. Where do you feel like you need to go? I don't think I'm done with Ebony yet. I still want to talk to Glinda of the North about what happened that night. Is there any way I can swing an interview? I'll see what I can do. Do you know how to get to her office? Yeah, I need to go north to Gelican Land, uh, go to the capital where I can either phone or visit her office from there. Mm-hmm. Sounds good, man. Call me when you get there. I'll see if I can pull a few strings and make sure Glenda's expecting you. It's sort of sad saying goodbye to Munchkin City. I feel so attached to the people here, to Ebony, to the events and the community here. I experienced a lot while I was here that I didn't even put in the podcast because it didn't pertain to the investigation, such as the art festival or that barbecue at Bacchanones's. I hope I get a chance to visit again someday under other circumstances. But... I don't have time for any of that right now. There's a killer still on the loose. Clues to find and stories to tell. 
these victims are no longer alive to tell their stories. So I'll be there. I'll be there to give them a voice and to find the truth. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to Fiction Crime Time. This episode was written and narrated by me, Adam Farmer, with a special narration by Jacob Segura. It featured the voice talents of Michelle Lee, Mitchell Witcher, and Nicholas Gilliman. Be sure to follow Fiction Crime Time on social media at Fiction Crime Time on Instagram and Facebook. Also, follow these awesome voice actors. Just look for their social media links in the description and you won't regret it. A new episode will be released every other week, so be on the lookout for episode 4 on February 16th. And always remember, everyone has a story to tell, so go tell yours. Thanks again for listening.